Last week, Randy kicked off a new series, uh, I think we have a slide there, um, called The Light That Leads Us Home. And he talked about hope. So today I'm actually going to be talking about peace. And Randy Waldrop said, um, it's like, hey, what's your song today? And I'm like, I have no song. He goes, all right, that's not good. So, But I did think about a song. Um, I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. All right, there you go, Randy. So there's a song, not as exciting maybe as it uh, has been in the past, but I was born in the early 60s, shocker. I was saved during the Jesus movement, and uh, I grew up hearing songs and seeing lots of symbols of peace. Peace is a good thing. Jesus is the prince of peace. Jerusalem is the city of peace. When Jesus said, actually, when you look for someone that's looking for me, look for a man or a woman of peace. And shalom, the greeting that all good Jews will speak to one another is all about peace. Now, the peace sign was the standard greeting for the young and the young at heart. Now, the hand gesture for peace must have been a spinoff of the ancient Hebrew hand gesture for peace made popular by Mr. Spock on Star Trek. We have peace here, and we have peace here, all right? Did you know that the Star Trek Vulcan salute is related to the Jewish blessing of peace? I know I've said this before. The story I heard is that Leonard Nimoy, who played Spock on Star Trek, actually peeked under his grandfather's prayer shawl when he was a boy during the priestly blessing. The blessing, right? Holding their hands together, palms down, they split their fingers to represent the Hebrew letter Shin Shaddai, which actually means Almighty God. Now, years later, when Nimoy got the part of Mr. Spock in the Star Trek series, he suggested a similar sign of parting the fingers but putting the hand forward for the Vulcan salute. The first person to speak said, peace and long life. The other would respond, live long and prosper. I now give you the opportunity to give me either this one or this one. Okay, it's a sign of peace. I will actually bring out my Spock at this time, and we'll hear it from him, okay? Live long and prosper. Okay, there you go. He just is going to keep going on. I'm going to put, going to put Spock here. <laughs> All right. Now, seriously, though, peace in our lives can never be based... We've, we've all got hopes and dreams, but peace in our lives can never be based on all of our hopes and dreams coming true because the truth of the matter is life happens. And a lot of things we're hoping for and believing for and, and just really longing for... Sometimes they just don't work out. But we can have peace nonetheless. Because peace in our lives only comes when our hearts are at peace within us. Peace is something that comes from the inside out. Now, peace will be in short supply, though, if your heart is full of fear and anxiety. 
Point one, fear is the enemy of a peaceful heart. Fear is the enemy of a peaceful heart. Luke 1, 30 through 33 records the encounter Mary has with an angel that would have shaken any of us to our core. Now, this time of year, we're, we, there's a lot of talk about angels. I'm thinking like, if I saw an angel, it would just totally freak me out. It, and, and I'm sure, like any 14-year-old girl, this was a hard thing for Mary to actually go through. Now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The angel is there speaking to Mary. And I love how angels are constantly saying, fear not, because they clearly know it's a very fearful thing, because these aren't little naked babies with little, you know, flying around. These are pretty amazing creatures. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, it's Christmas time, and Christmas time would not actually be Christmas time for me without seeing Scrooge. Now, my personal favorite is the 1984 edition with George C. Cl George C. Scott as Scrooge. Do we have a picture of him somewhere? Maybe, maybe not. But that's my favorite Scrooge for sure. All right? Now, Scrooge, um, where am I? Yeah. Actually, Scrooge is the poster boy for selfishness, greed, and a desire to win at all costs. We love to hate or at least pity Scrooge, at least the first Scrooge that we saw uh, at, at the beginning of the Christmas Carol. We also love to see the transformation that comes by the end of the story. Now, after meeting ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, Scrooge is literally scared straight. As he walks from the most terrifying night of his life, he becomes generous and actually turns over a new leaf, transformation. Now, after responding initially in fear to the ghost of Christmas past, Scrooge turns to disbelief about this messenger from beyond the grave. He actually says, You may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of undone potato. There's more gravy than grave about you, whoever you are, or whatever you are. Now, we live in a time where there's a lot of scary stuff happening in the world. Terrorists, ISIS, nightmares, real or imagined. Fear will always try to steal our peace. Mary in this account was no exception. An angel appears to this girl who was likely no more than 14 years of age, maybe younger, and like any other normal middle school girl, she freaked out. So much so that the angel had to say, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Let me ask you, what generates fear in you? And this is a, I asked a question, so you give me an answer. What makes, what generates fear in you? The unknown. Anything else? Change. Anything else? 
more unknown. That's good. That's not good. I mean, it's like, for me, snakes, you know, I'm a little more tangible. It's like snakes totally freak me out. I know people say snakes are good, like spiders are good, but I don't like spiders and snakes. That ain't what it takes, all right, to love me. Snakes, snakes, snakes. I don't like snakes. Snakes are high on my list of things that generate fear in me. I was reminded of something that supposedly appeared in a Peace Corps manual training volunteers who were actually serving in the Amazon. And uh, it's probably nothing more than an urban legend, but it's good for this morning's purposes. But it is instructions on how to react if you are attacked by an anaconda. (laughs) Helpful information. Now, anacondas, I know this, they're the largest snake in the world. It could grow up to 35 feet long. I actually stepped this off. The stage up here is 30 feet, so longer than this entire stage. (sighs) I remember seeing a National (laughs) Geographic where actually an anaconda was eating a cow. I was like, this is a big snake. (laughs) All right? All right. And they can swallow a a 350-pound animal whole. So this is why they needed to give some kind of instruction just in case you encounter an anaconda. Here's what the manual supposedly said. Number one, don't run. Are you kidding? (laughs) Don't run? They say the anaconda is fast enough to catch you. I say let the anaconda prove it. (laughs) And if I'm with someone else, I don't have to be faster than the anaconda. I just have to be faster than them, right? No greater love, right, than to lay down your life? So I say, lay it down for my, for my benefit. Number two, this, this, it says, lie flat on your back facing upward and keep arms close to your side and legs together. I'm thinking, what are you? You're prepared to be a snack. <laughs> tuck your chuck, <laughs> tuck your chuck. Number three, tuck your chin in. I'm just fearful of thinking about all this, right? Number four, the snake will come and begin to nudge you and climb over your body. Ah! (laughs) Don't panic, number five. Don't panic. Don't panic. If God ever created a scenario for panic, this would be the scenario. Number six, the snake will probably begin to swallow you from the feet in first. Do not resist. At this stage, it is especially important not to panic. Number seven, the snake will begin to suck your legs into its body. This will take a long time. You must lie perfectly still during this whole process. Number eight, When the snake has reached your knees, slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down, take your knife, and very gently insert it into the snake's mouth between its mouth and your leg. Then suddenly rip upward and sever its head. Number nine, be sure you have your knife. (laughs) What's the point? The point is there are good fears and bad fears. Good fears like this, all right, and like the fear of the Lord can save your life. Bad fears paralyze and destroy us. 
Because many of us live with a lack of inner peace, we try to head off potential fear through control. If I can control you, if I can control this situation, the fear will go away. The fear of the unknown will go away if I'm in control. So we grip our relationships more tightly. We begin to smother people. We spend our money more independently because you never know when you're going to run out of money. And avoid people that make us feel uncomfortable, like the needy, the people that always seem to want something from us. I can't have you. Now, if you back up a few verses, we see that Mary was troubled by the way the angel greeted her. It says in verse 28, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, it said Mary was somewhat troubled and fearful because of this greeting. Who am I, she must have thought, for you to show up in all your heavenly glory telling me I'm someone special. I want you to imagine this. I wanted to bring my bullhorn with me that actually had a little siren on it. But imagine you're in the middle of the service right now, and we heard the sound of sirens. Give me some sirens. Okay, this will be a little tougher. Helicopter, all right? Okay, so there's sirens, there's helicopters. And the Secret Service stormed in and said, sorry to interrupt, but the president has asked to speak with, and he actually says your name. We have a matter of urgent national security. Me, John Jesse, who am I? Why all the attention for me? Mary's saying, who am I that God would send his top-level secret service? Who knows my name and calls me the favored one? This is kind of frightening stuff. It's kind of like when God greeted Gideon and said, Oh, mighty man. <laughs> He's like, who are you talking to? See, fear is the enemy of the peaceful heart. Sometimes even God is showing up and trying to give you an assignment, but fear can actually make us want to short-circuit all of that. So we re must resist fear and pursue God's peace. And clearly this is, because, this is what Mary did because, secondly, the peaceful heart is ready for any challenge. Basically, Mary's like, I'm in. I'm in. Now, Mary was a virgin, but when she heard that she would conceive Jesus by the Holy Spirit... She clearly knew this was way beyond her control. She was in miracle territory here. So she embraced peace, knowing that God was with her and that he had her best interests in mind. He knew what he was doing. He's God. He knows what he's doing. Will this be challenging? Are you kidding? Of course it's going to be challenging, but she seemed to be up for the challenge. Mary faced her fears, and she was confident that God was in control. When the angel comes to her, she resists the natural reaction to run, like the anaconda thing. Mary's response was not to control the situation, and because she had that response, peace, God's shalom kind of overshadowed her. Why? Well, unlike Scrooge, Mary had a deep and abiding belief within her 
that God always, always, always had her best in mind. And he has his, his best in mind for you so you could be at peace. When she realized God was giving her a sacred but a very hard mission, a purpose in life that would actually expose her to a lifetime of ridicule and pain and family rejection, she simply, she simply, she simply chooses to say in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come true. Bring it on. Because Mary's peace did not come from the outside in, it came from the inside and was manifested outwardly. When our hearts are at peace, we are not only ready for any challenge, but third point, we're ready for a lifetime of challenges. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble, tribulation. Don't be surprised when fiery trials come upon you. What is our first response every time a fiery trial comes our way? We're surprised. What did I do? It comes with the territory. That's what we signed up for. Now, think for a minute about the situation Mary is in. Number one, she has just been told she is going to be pregnant with no husband in a culture that not only frowns upon such things, but such things are punishable by death. Hello. Number two, the man she loves, Joseph, is probably not going to understand the situation and will most likely leave her. May all that you have said come to pass in my life. She's already poor. If Joseph rejects her, she'll be destitute. She might have to beg. If she really had favor from God... Can't you just give me a large check? That's probably what I would have asked for. And she's financially insolvent. She has a ruined reputation. Her most important relationship will most likely fall apart. Yet in all of this, Mary had a peaceful heart, ready to embrace just this lifetime of challenge. She didn't scramble and try to fix and control everything. She knew God was in control, and whatever happened, God was with her. She was highly favored. Now, unlike Mary, we're tempted to look for inner peace from someone else or something else other than the Lord, who is peace. We don't like being out of control. So we try hard to weed out all uncertainty, all discomfort, and hide behind the walls of our own making that can't protect us from inward fear and anxiety. But when peace flows from the inside, from knowing that God loves us and always has our best interests in mind, that peace lasts a lifetime. And it's a light in our hearts that dissolves fear. As we close, I just want you to kind of close your eyes and just actually kind of do a little um, peace inventory. And I'm going to ask uh, Jeff to come on up um, 
and just be ready to just close this out. But with your eyes closed, let, let me just ask some questions. Do you have peace of mind? Or is your mind controlled by the Holy Spirit? Or on the other end, is your mind filled with a jumble of unforgiven memories, unresolved plans, and frustrating disappointments? Second question, are your feelings at peace? Feelings do matter. How we feel affects how we live and how we relate to others. Do you feel at peace right now? Are you free from smoldering anger, nagging fears, frustration, and envy? Next, do you have a sense of peace about your desires? Are you clear about God's will for your life? Do you trust in his daily guidance? Are you certain about your goals? Are you free from conflict between what you want and what you sense God wants? Since your relationships with people have so much to do with how you experience peace, do you let others rob you of inner peace? Are you at peace with others? And what about circumstances? Do you allow circumstances to disrupt your ability to be at peace? Do you remain calm in the face of trouble? And finally, is your body at peace? Are you strained by stress, agitation, nervousness, or are you free from tension, churning stomach, tight muscles, high blood pressure? Do you have a sense of calmness in your body? I can ask more, but I just ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you would come as the Prince of Peace, and I just want to respond to you.